everybody. Welcome to the show. It's Out of Bounds with Dylan James. As always, I have JT alongside me. How's it going, people? How are we doing tonight? JT, uh... Hope we're staying dry because it's a little rainy out there today. It's really rainy in Orlando. It's been rainy for the past week. I think we brought the rain from Nashville to Orlando, and it hasn't stopped since we've gotten back. It's rained every day. I thought it was the other way around. We brought the rain up. We were driving last week. Got to Nashville. The only day it rained was game day. And then on the way back, it's been, like you said, raining ever since. I think the heavens knew we were going to be up there in Nashville for game (laughs) three. So they decided, let's just hold off for that day. Because Dylan needs to be excited in the plaza and not wet <laughs> the entire game. And his jersey needs to stay dry. Although it didn't really for a while. Somebody sloshed, yeah, someone <laughs> sloshed Gatorade on us, some drunk guy. But you know what? It's uh, it's battle wounds or yeah. smells. I'm not really sure. <laughs> Today we have a very special guest on the show. Uh, one of my very good friends back from the great movie ride when we worked there several years ago. Uh, we're far removed from that ride now, but Jack McRae is on the show today. He has moved back down to Orlando to work for the in-house production company Yellow Shoes um, for Disney. So he is he's royalty now. So we've had royalty the past two weeks. We had Carrie Joe last week, Jack this week. We have some we have some cool guests, man. I'm telling you. Why are we not nationally syndicated yet? Like, why don't we have sponsors? If you want to be a sponsor for the show, feel free to email us, Dylan at outofboundspodcast.com or JT at outofboundspodcast.com. So we're still looking for sponsors. Let's see what we can do. Yeah. Jack. Awesome. But yeah, great to be here. Great to be back in Orlando. Excited to talk some sports today. It's I'm glad fun. you're I'm glad you're on the show. I, I've been wanting you to come down on the show for a while. Then I found out that you were moving down here for yellow shoes. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to steal him. That's really why I came down here was to be on the show. The Yellow Shoes was just a nice nice bonus for that. But yeah, it's great. Thank you for that. No, Thank you. No I'll, problem. I'll send the check in the mail. This is for you. <laughs> so this week we have some really good stories actually to talk about. And there's some big college football news that we, we're not breaking it, but I guess we can say breaking news. Um, Bob Stoops announced his retirement after 18 seasons at Oklahoma University. Big news for the Sooners because Bob Stoops was their guy, their rock, their head coach for 18 seasons. So do you think that this is a huge blow for Oklahoma and do you think that they can recover from this retirement news? Yeah, like you said, it's a big departure. He is uh, the winningest coach in Oklahoma history, uh, almost an 80% career winning percentage. Um, part of great moments, uh, not all great moments for them. He was part of great moments like the Boise State Statue of Liberty too, but um, he definitely leaves a big legacy there. Um, but he's also handing the reins over to Lincoln Riley. He's uh, going to be the youngest FBS coach at 33 years old, um, a bit of a wonder kid who we can talk about in a second. But, yeah, uh, definitely going to be a, a big hole left by Bob Stoops in Oklahoma. JT, your thoughts? Well, at least for Lincoln Riley, it's going to be a loaded team next season, or I should say this upcoming season. The only question is, is, with the coach, with this change so soon, how is that team going to adapt to his formation and everything and his playbook? And are they going to be able to be competitive in a very competitive uh, Big 12 conference? Um, Texas, now with Tom Herman there, they're going to be better. You know TCU's going to be ba- better. Of course, Baylor's still there. And Kansas is a program that's on the rise. I know they're traditionally a basketball powerhouse, but – they've shown some bright spots this past season. So they'll be up and running in Iowa State as well. So it's going to be a very competitive conference. And Bob Stoops, you have to kind of question the timing. I mean, this is June and the season literally starts, what, three months from now? So I don't know what happened, why he made a decision. I mean, obviously I hope he enjoys retirement and wishing the best of luck. I kind of wonder, though, did the pressure get to him in Oklahoma? Because Oklahoma had high expectations every season to compete for national championships. And it's been a long time since Oklahoma has been a national powerhouse. Because Oklahoma, they've done this like the last two or three They start off really good, and then they have that one shocking loss like to some team like Iowa State or, or Kansas or Texas when we were down the last three years. And Oklahoma hasn't been a leader of hump. Now, they had that run where they beat Nick Saban in Alabama in the, in the bowl game a few years ago unexpectedly and they've had success in other bowl games as well but I personally think you know 
Bob Stoops has felt the time was right. And, you know, with a high-pressure program, it gets to you. It really does. We've seen this with Urban Meyer at Florida. We've seen this with uh, Bill Snyder at Kansas State when he stepped away the first time. So it, those pressure cooker jobs, they're just sometimes thankless jobs. Sometimes 9-10 wins are like Mark Rick at, when he was at Georgia. 9-10 wins, just not enough. Just not enough. Is this just an easy way for Bob Stoops to get out of Oklahoma? Because it, just imagine if there was a Lane Kiffin situation in Oklahoma with Bob Stoops coming out and saying that, you know, I'm staying with the team, but then comes to find out he was signing with some other team. Do you think there is a suitor in the wings waiting for him to be out of this contract with Oklahoma so he can sign with a new team? Do you think it's like something like that, or do you think he actually wants to get out of the game? Well, Bob Stoops, he's 59 years old, so... I personally don't see that. 56. 56. My apologies. <laughs> I was a little... <laughs> he kind of upset about that. He's a spring chick. <laughs> <laughs> my apologies, Bob. My apologies. But I I don't think that's the, the case. I mean, LSU was probably has Ed Orgeron there. Texas has Tom Herman. Houston has a coach. So I don't see... Oklahoma State, they decided to keep my Gundy. So I don't see any job like possibly in waiting at least any time as of right now to me i think what's a more realistic possibility is maybe the nfl i certainly see that as a possibility down the road now i know everyone's thinking nfl really after what happened with chip kelly of course steve spurrier and other coaches but i think bob stoops he's he's know he's done in the college he's been there for a long time He, he he's done it now i think maybe he's looking for another challenge and i think the nfl could be that possibility um, if he did go to the NFL, what teams do you think would be looking at him to fill a head coaching vacancy? Because there are no vacancies right now because the season's about to start. But are there coaches on the hot seat in the NFL that could possibly be a good spot for Bob Stoops to land? Oh, there's definitely hot spots uh, or hot seats, I should say, for the NFL. Um, look at the situation in Houston right now. They don't get off to a good start. That's with Bill O'Brien, that's uh, one possibility. Of course, we know about the Chargers. Move to L.A., they they got to get something, and if they're off to a bad start, it's another possibility. Of course, we know about Jacksonville with Blake Bortles and that whole situation. So I think Bob Stoops will have some options. We just don't know right now because the season hasn't started yet. But halfway through the season, I think there will be some teams that will reach out to his services. Yeah. I actually think he's going to step away from the game. Um, I think uh, Steve Spurrier made a comment, uh, his uh, former mentor over at Florida, that uh, he wanted to. He knew that Bob wanted to be able to step away from the game and not go straight from the sidelines to the grave. Um, and yeah, I think it's important for him to kind of go away on his own terms. Um, his dad actually passed away and had a heart attack coaching a high school game. Um, so I think it's important for him to be able to kind of move on to this next phase of his life um, after football and have that. Uh, kind of next step but he's 56 though it's not like he's like you know towing the line of like death coming over saying come to me i mean it's like he's not there yet so he is kind of young i mean if he does have heart issues in his in his family then that might be a concern but i mean you know you do look at the nfl and there are some tempting jobs out there i mean look at carolina for example if ron rivera doesn't do something this season after having this awful season last year with cam newton then you know that might be an opening coming up soon because they've talked about that there's been whispers that ron rivera might be on the hot seat this coming up season so jobs like that i think that if the right job comes around for Bob Stoops, I think that it would be kind of stupid of him to say, you know what, I'm not going to take this job. I'm just going to stay on the sideline. I mean, I'm just going to stay at home still and just be a a, uh, a sofa ca- a sofa coach or something. Retiree. Yeah, retiree. Like I don't think he wants to do that. So if the right job comes around, I think that he would probably step back onto the field, but it has to be the right circumstance for him. Unless there is some secret team out there that we don't know about that is having conversations with Bob Stoops right now um, trying to get him to come to their city or their their college. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with, with Bob Stoops. It's a very interesting situation. It's very interesting the way he retired. And like you said, the time frame of it, the whole thing was kind of kind of weird. Definitely. And I think he'll do some broadcasting. Uh, we all know ESPN needs some people, so they'll bring him in to do that. But one team I would want to put on Bob Stoops' radar possibly is the Minnesota Vikings. Sam Bradford's still there, last time I checked. And with uh, Mike Zimmer, we don't know about the situation. He's had so many eye surgeries. Um, obviously, I hope he, he he that's going out okay for him and he's doing better. But we don't know if he's going to be able to continue coaching if he keeps having those situations. So if he has to step down, 
I think the Vikings, that could be another spot that Bob Stoops could look into down the road. Yeah, with uh, Mike Zimmer turning into a real-life pirate, we really need <laughs> to figure out a coach for Minnesota because, I mean, they have some great players in Minnesota, too. I, re- I really do. Cordell Patterson still there. Um, they still have the golden boy, Sam Bradford. Yes, they have him, but they also have uh, Teddy Bridgewater, too. So if Teddy Bridgewater comes back to the game, he'll need a, he'll need a coach. I mean, I, I think that a good coach in Bob Stoops would be a uh, very good fit for for him over there in Minnesota, but you know we'll see what happens. So going on to Ole Miss, um, Ole Miss is in trouble with NCAA possibly claiming that Hugh Freeze failed to monitor his players. Uh, could he be charged with a lack of institutional control there in Ole Miss? So what do you think about that situation? Well, the situation at Ole Miss it's it's not looking pretty right now. To to me, it sounds like the NCAA. I don't know what they're doing. It sounds like they're trying to play a game of chicken, it seems, trying to say the coach didn't do all these things. But Ole Miss, they're sticking by their coach. And we saw this with Art Bryles. And I know it's a different situation, but it didn't work out. So a lot of people think, oh, if Ole Miss gets charged with a lack of institution control, you got to keep the coach out. And Hugh Freeze, you know, I know it's difficult for coaches. Like, they recruit all these players, but you all expect them to try to keep up what they're doing with their lives and all this. It's it's tough. We had a similar situation with Urban Meyer when he was down here in Florida. His players were getting in trouble all the time, and they didn't tell they do anything. Not really. So, Ole Miss is going to – they decided to take marriage on hands. They suspend – they uh, are going to be on a bull ban this year. But that was a self-imposed bull ban. They didn't get that from the NCAA. So, they will not be playing any bowl games this year. And they also cut some scholarships. So we'll see. We'll have to monitor the situation to see what plays out. But it's not looking good right now. But I think if Ole Miss, if they ride out of the storm, they'll they'll be okay no matter what happens. They just don't want another Penn State situation to happen in the NCAA. No, they're not going to get a Penn situation. they're avoiding that. They're definitely not going to get what SMU got, which is the death penalty. They're not getting anything like that. It won't be anything close, anything close to that. All right. Uh, very good. So let's move on to the NFL and the NFL news. Um, we talked about Bob Stoops already, possibly coaching in the NFL, but let's move on to Jeremy Macklin. He visits the Bills and the Ravens are next on his radar. So Jeremy Macklin landing spots. Do you think that the Bills and Ravens are the only places that he would be interested in? Or do you think that he'll have more teams to come? I think Buffalo could be a good fit for Jeremy Macklin. Um, they had the number 30 ranked passing offense last uh, last season. Um, and I don't think Jeremy Macklin is an elite receiver, but I think he's definitely a good number two option. Um, so they would have him alongside Sammy Watkins there in Buffalo. Um, and I kind of like that receiving core. I think that's that could be fun to watch um, up there in Buffalo. And then uh, the Ravens, uh, I don't see him as, a, as good of a fit there, but um, he could replace uh, some of the pr- productivity left um, by the re- retirement of Steve Smith Sr., um, so they, uh, he could fill a hole there too, but, um, those are two decent options, but yeah, I think there's definitely a lot more to, um, places he could fit. Yeah. Uh, JT, what do you think? You know, I agree. I, the Buffalo option is very intriguing, especially with the, the quarterback situation and knowing that Sonny Watkins will need some help. That's, he met with them, I believe on Tuesday or Wednesday. So he's going to meet with the Ravens this week, probably tomorrow. And the Ravens, like, I think the Ravens situation would could be a, also a good fit only because, like I said, Steve Smith's gone. The Ravens don't have, have like a top-line receiver. And the Ravens, their wide receiver is injured quite frequently. So I think he'd be a good help there. And it's kind of too early to say what other options would pan out as of right now. But as we get closer to training camp, I would expect there to be, if he's not signed, there'll still be more options for him. But if you look at Buffalo, though, on the left-hand side, you got Sammy Watkins. On the right-hand side, you got this guy named Zay Jones. So a lot of these names, the only person I know on on this wide receiver depth chart is Sammy Watkins. That's the only name that's popping up to me. Same. So having someone like Jeremy Macklin come in and be on the other side of Sammy Watkins will relieve the pressure on Sammy Watkins to where he's not double-covered all the time. But if he is double-covered, then Jeremy Macklin's going to be wide open for a, a shot from Tyrod Taylor. Um, having LaShawn Le- McCoy in the background still, too, that's that's great for them as well because that gives them a third option of passing or or running. So I think that with with the Buffalo Bills, it looks like the better situation for me if if I was Jeremy Macklin. Also, they had Tyrod Taylor and Lashawn McCoy. They flew out to um, 
to Jeremy Macklin, actually, and try to recruit him that way. There were some Snapchats of wow. them and everything, too. So, you know, it looks like they're really interested in getting Jeremy Macklin to, to Buffalo. So I think that might be the best move for them right now. But it just depends on who offers him the most money, I really think. I don't think that Jeremy Macklin really is gunning for one single team. I think he's gunning for the most money. And I think Buffalo can still give him that. Uh, going on to Eric Decker and David Harris. They got cut this week by the New York Jets. So they're getting rid of the wide receiver, Eric Decker. And David Harris, I believe, is a wide receiver as well. He's a linebacker. He's a linebacker. Okay. Uh, I don't know who he is. Uh, so, <laughs> um, so Eric Decker's leaving. Who, who do you think could fill his void over there in the Jets? It's hard to say because I think the Jets are going a lot younger with their players they got coming in. So... I don't think a lot of people expect the Jets to do very good this season. Mm-hmm. As far as the futures of David Harris, he's had some injury issues, so I'm not sure if he's going to pick up any time soon. But Eric Decker, we spoke about the Ravens, so let's say Jeremy Macklin ends up with Buffalo, Eric Decker could be another option for the fit the Ravens system um, since he's now available. Yeah, he's also played in that system before, I believe, in New York. Um, another option for him, I have, I think, four options that he might could end up in. Uh, the 49ers, um, they have kind of proven themselves uh, to be willing to take some veteran talent. They just signed Elvis Dumerville, um, and he would fit in well in that uh, 49ers offense led by former Atlanta Falcon oh. uh, coach oh. Kyle Shanahan. So he's looking for some weapons over there. Um, another option for him is Tennessee. Um Personally, his wife, uh, Jesse James Decker, has some country music presence in Nashville, so that would work great <laughs> from a family standpoint. Yeah, um, true. And I'm sure Marcus Mariota wouldn't mind having another weapon and Eric Decker out there. Side note, Jesse James was the first celebrity to follow me on Twitter. Oh. I don't know why she did, <laughs> but have her hey, on the show. she follows me on Twitter, so yeah, I'll have her on the show. Jesse, if you want to come on the show. She could probably provide some uh, good insight. To, to where Eric might end up. There you go. I gotta email her. Or tweet her. Or tweet her. Yeah. Direct message her. There you go. Gotta do that. Isn't she on some TV show right now or something? Eric and her had a TV show, right? Uh, I, I think so. they did. Talking about her pregnancy or something. I, I don't know. It's weird. I don't watch those reality shows like that, so I kind of stay away. It's not really a reality TV show. It's uh, scripted, but... Does your girlfriend watch reality TV? She does, mm-hmm. but not those shows. Oh, no, okay. not, not that show in particular. I'm sure she does watch shows like that. Keeping but up with the Kardashians or something? Keeping up with the Kardashians, <laughs> uh, Vanderpump Rules, things like that. Yeah, she watches all those shows. Bravo is one of her favorite television networks. Real Housewives of Atlanta or something like that one? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if she watches that one specifically, but she has watched Real Housewives before. All right, well, Eric Decker is out there. In the in the wide receiver, he's on the market. Yeah, he's on the market. He's that that's the word I was looking yeah, for. And he's valuable too. I mean, he came off hip and shoulder surgeries last year, but um, in his three seasons with the Jets, he's got two thousand one hundred eighty-three yards and nineteen touchdowns, and he pretty much missed all of last season. He only played three games last season, so pretty he good reminds me of like for, a Danny Amendola, yeah. like a player like that, like a Demarius Thomas. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, he played with Demaryius Thomas in Denver. But I, he reminds me of a player like that. I think that he could be a really good slot guy. And, I mean, he does open he does open up the defense a lot, too. He, he, can, he can streak if it needs to. So I think that Eric will be a good addition to any team that he goes to. So moving on to Dak Prescott. He is seeking a doctorate. A doctorate in psychology. And he thinks that that could actually help him in his football game. So... My question to you guys, do you think that that's actually possible for him to get his doctorate while he's still playing in the NFL? And is he going to get any time soon? I don't think he's going to. It'll take a while. A doctorate takes takes yeah, a few years. I feel like that's a little bit of a process, even if that's the only thing you're doing, much yeah. less being an NFL uh, quarterback. So, I don't know. And... I don't. I don't know if it helps him on the field that much. I, I mean, psychology know. though. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you got to get in people's heads when you're playing them. Yeah. So uh, with concussions and all that kind of stuff. Going yeah, on true. It can it can help him in that as well, to where he can avoid certain hits and stuff like that. I guess. Uh, I, I don't know why he wants. Stretch. <laughs> I, I don't know why he wants to do that. But I mean, you know, hey, good for him. If he if he yeah. ever gets out of the league. He'll have something in his back pocket. Yeah. I guess he'll just be a psychologist. You can go to him and, and he'll sit you on a sofa and say, what are you feeling today? 
can can we talk about something like just, I'd, lo- I'd love to do that with jack prescott <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that sounds like how a good does time. the sky make you feel i think it'd be great i think you do a really good job at that throw me some footballs after <laughs> be great uh peyton manning has a brand new job he is not in the nfl he retired two years ago but he is going to be the strategic advisor for rydell they are the makers of the helmets in the nfl and he actually was quoted as saying, I'm appreciative of the opportunity to invest in the company and join hashtag Team Rydell to help reinforce the brand's effort in advancing the sport I love and believe in. So he's going to be the new strategic advisor for them. Is this a good move for Rydell to have one of the greatest quarterbacks ever to play the game as their spokesperson or their strategic advisor, whatever that means? I certainly think so. I mean... I'm not sure. That was a long pause. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what Peyton Manning's insight, but maybe he can give him some insight, some helmet designs. I mean, he was a quarterback, and we know quarterbacks, they hit a lot. So He didn't, though. Well, he got Manning. a good offensive line. I mean, and you're Peyton Manning, just, oh, got Tom, throw the ball. <laughs> so, you know, he's got to play his eye. So, not, not, <laughs> not his fault. So, hmm. um, but... I think he could help them figure out some new helmet designs, you know, because the NFL, they're they're trying to avoid concussions and, you know, come up with new ways to design better helmets for players, especially when it's a, a defensive player like wide receivers or, or cornerbacks. Quarterbacks, of course, are prone to get hit too, and running backs. Those are, to me, like the critical positions, and especially kickoffs. You see kickoffs all the time when those players are kicking off. Those players are at risk. So hopefully, if anything, he'll – help out come with some new ideas, give us some new ideas for Rydell, and we'll probably see a couple more helmet designs um, in the future. Well, if the NFL does what they want to do, we're not going to see kickoffs much longer. They're going to probably get eliminated from the game pretty quickly, which I hope that doesn't happen. I really don't. The kickoff is a great way to show off speed for these wide receivers and cornerbacks and safeties that are playing that position of kick returner. Don't forget about the Music City Miracle. Yeah, Music City Miracle. That was the reason why we won that game is because of a kickoff. So, you know, I I hope they don't get rid of that, that aspect of the game. I think they've already ruined it by moving it up the way they have because what like 90 something percent of kickoffs last season were kick rate like uh, were touchbacks so i think that it's ruined in the game already but i i wish they would just bring it back to what it used to be i don't mean they're not they weren't getting many concussions during that whole thing anyway so i don't know why they even changed it but they're just trying to be proactive i guess avoiding concussions whatever so, on to college basketball news. JT, you are up on this one. Well, in case you missed the news yesterday, or actually, I'm sorry, not yesterday. It was the day before, Tuesday. Uh, Ohio State, they apparently the basketball program decided to make a coaching change, and they let uh, Thad Mata go. He had been there for 13 seasons at Ohio State. Uh, this past season, they finished 17-15 overall, and they were – 7-11 and 11 in the Big Ten Conference this past season. So, like we talked about with Bob Stoops stepping down yesterday, this is another questionable timing-wise because college basketball has been over since April, and we're now in June. So, there's been a lot of talk about, I think they just let him go just because of a philosophy change. And Ohio State felt, you know what, we haven't done well the last few seasons. We haven't made the NCAA tournament since 2015. Let's just go in a new direction. Question is, is who they're going to get? There's been talk that they've been trying to get Fred Hoiberg from the Chicago Bulls. He said no. There was a report this morning saying they were trying to look at getting uh, Creighton's Greg McDermott. And they had initially offered him the job. Um, but as of this afternoon, he has turned it down. So I don't know where Ohio State's going to go with this. Because now we're so kind of late in the ball game. And college basketball usually tips off their season in November. So I hope they'll get somebody in there quickly, <laughs> but I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But it definitely made uh, news around ESPN the last 48 hours. Yeah, big news in college basketball. So it's it's always tough to see a coach like that get taken out. Um, I mean, I understand. Oh, yeah, that's right. That- Sean Miller was another one that was rumored, but Arizona State, the AD, is like, over my dead body. He's not, <laughs> he's not coming to go to Ohio State. Not going to happen. No, so, no. Who knows where, he, who, where Ohio State goes from here? 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, you would think that they would want to have, I mean, they would get a high-profile guy, especially with Urban Meyer being the basketball, the football coach there at Ohio State. They would get somebody that's prolific to come and te- coach that team. But, I don't know. I mean, college basketball is just so weird. It's just a very, it's a very fluid, a fluid league because they have head coaches just going everywhere. It's it. You see a lot of head coaching, head coaching changes um, a lot through those seasons, so it's really hard to follow. Especially with who's the mid-major schools and the smaller schools. Yeah, especially yeah. The There's tournament. so many schools that yeah. they're in like, college basketball. When we went to it's the just... NCAA tournament uh, in Orlando a couple yeah, months yeah, ago, yeah, yeah. Um, we saw the UNC Wilmington Virginia game, and even though they lost, their coach, he took the job, I believe, at NC State. I think that's where he went. So, yeah, sometimes you go to those small schools and – you get just one tournament. Even if you lose, you, it can lead to a higher-profile job. Yeah, definitely. Um, on to the NBA. The big news last night was that in Game 3, mm. Golden State came back, man. They, did. they came back. They were down by 6 with about, what, 3 minutes to go in the 4th? And went down 0-8 while the Warriors went on an 11-0 run to finish the game and win the game. And it was incredible. Like, I, I thought that it was done. I thought the game was over. I thought LeBron was just going to turn it on, get some more points on the board, and go home with a win, or walk away with the win, I guess, because they were already at home. But it was very, very shocking for the fans in Cleveland. That building was quiet. Yeah, It was real quiet, real quick. So what did you guys think of the performance of the Golden State Warriors last night? Jack? Yeah, so amazing finish um in the game i mean durant played lights out curry clay finally started hitting shots uh last night after he's been slumming the first two games um lebron Kyrie did their thing but at the end of the day um they just didn't help them um i think this series is effectively over now i think cleveland had their chance and when they let that game slip away last night i think they're pretty much done i think the warriors will go undefeated in the playoffs um, which is, yeah. So I don't know. We can talk about that too and what that kind of means. Yeah. Um, it's an impressive feat, but I think the NBA has to have a little bit of a sour taste in their mouth. Um, just from a brand standpoint, um, just with the increasing loss of parity across the league. Yeah. Um, and while this would see, uh, seem less interesting to fans, uh, I thought it was interesting that the TV ratings are actually up, um, uh, from that's last weird. year, yeah, so, that's really weird. Um, yeah, Variety reported a 5.9 rating last night uh, with adults from 18 to 48, and upwards of 16 million viewers, which from last year's Game Three is an increase of 0.7 ratings points and over 15 percent increase in viewership over last year's Game Three. I think there was Russia meddling in that, <laughs> that <laughs> number right there. <laughs> that that's yeah. not a straight number. Yeah. So, I think history, the Russians are something to yeah. do with it. I think history has to do a little bit with it now. Um, obviously, we had a little bit more competitive series. Last year, I mean, they still came back from a three to one lead. Yeah, but, yeah, true. Um, it was a little bit more competitive than this year. Um, so whether you like Golden State or not, it's clear to see the possibility that we could see some history being made in Game Four, the first team ever to go undefeated all the way through the NBA playoffs. And setting that game up to where it was supposed to be a, a, a you had to win game mm-hmm. for the Cleveland Cavaliers, and they just couldn't finish it. Yeah. That that's the most surprising thing to me. Well, I watched the game last night. Uh, I went to bed a little early after, after the fourth quarter, like a lot of people did, because yeah. the game was on so late. But the thing that drove me crazy was like Kyrie Irving, he was taking it to the rim yeah. to the to the Warriors last night. And Kevin Durant, he had 16 points the first half, but the third quarter he was shut down. He he couldn't get anything going. LeBron was and Richard Jefferson all were all over him and. The Steph Curry was pretty much keeping the team close, and like I mentioned, the Cavaliers they had a six point lead going late in the fourth quarter, and then they just couldn't kept missing baskets at the wrong time. Went on an 8 run, while the Warriors kept it going, and Kevin Durant hit the game winning shot over LeBron James with 43 seconds to go, and they made their free throws to clinch the game. And like Jack was saying, now that the Warriors are up 3-0. To, to me, the, the series is effectively over. They play again tomorrow, but like he said, if the Warriors win tomorrow, they'll be the first team to sweep everybody. I mean, think about this, Dylan. The playoffs, we could have just sl- not talked about for two months on this podcast, and the two teams that we expect to make the finals for the third year in a row made it, and now the Warriors literally sweep everybody. 
the Blazers, the Jazz, the Spurs, and now the Cavaliers. Who who would have thought of that? And like you were saying, the NBA with the decline in parity and everything. To me, this is concerning because we talked a little about this on Sunday when we talked to Kerry Joe. I brought it up. I was like, you got all these players that when they're free agents are looking at big markets. And the Golden State Warriors, let's face it, they blew it last year. They could have been a dynasty. They could have won three straight titles. And the fact that they signed the best player available, Kevin Durant. Remember, they only signed him to a two-year deal. It's not like a long-term deal. And Kevin Durant has talked about, you know, if we keep winning championships, I might give up some of my salary because he's got enough money to, to keep on winning. And I know Oklahoma City, they're bitter right now. Well, maybe not the Seattle Sonics fans, but, <laughs> but uh, you know, I don't blame Kevin Durant. He decided, you know what, I'm not going to win a championship in Oklahoma City. Let me go somewhere where I know I can win a championship. And he joined, to me, the best team, Golden State. And look what he's done. They're, they don't have any big players on that team. He's been the X factor in this whole entire in whole entire series, whole entire playoff run has been Kevin Durant. He's been lights out this series, especially scoring what 30, ga- 30 points a game. Like he's mm-hmm. killing it right now. And the other thing you got to think about is if the Cavaliers get swept, what happens to LeBron James? Because remember, he could still opt out and be a free agent this summer. And there's been a lot of talk about oh, the Magic Johnson, the Lakers, they're gonna make a run at him, the Clippers. I still think LeBron's going to stay, but you have to think that, I mean, he's 32. He's been to seven straight NBA Finals. How long is he going to keep this up? Kyrie Irving, he's getting better each year, but Cleveland, if they had to keep running the Warriors, I don't know if they're going to keep doing it because LeBron, let's face it, I think I give him four or five more years to keep going, but if they say he only wins like one, maybe two championships, and you got the Warriors over there, they got like three or four, like, hello? Well, it's like everybody's been saying that the Cavaliers are built to beat the East. They're not built to beat war- the Warriors right. at all. Like, it's not a good matchup on paper at all in this series. And, and LeBron James is the only reason why they got to the final in the first place. But LeBron James is the only reason why they are they were as close as they were last night. It, it's, it's just not a conducive environment for him because he doesn't have any playmakers on his team besides just him. Yeah, you could say Kyrie Irving, yeah, you could say Kevin Love, whatever, but they're not showing up at the times they need to show up. So, you know, if, if there was an offer on the table for LeBron James to go somewhere else, I mean, if you looked at the Lakers, pretty much if you brought him on any team in the NBA, it's pretty much they're guaranteed they're going, to the, they're going to the NBA Finals. Like, that's it's guaranteed with LeBron James. So I think any team out there, they can give him a, a max contract, I think that he can definitely become a playmaker for any team he's put on. And I mean we've seen that here in Cleveland. He had he didn't have a good roster in Cleveland. Kyrie Irving was probably one of the best players that they had on the team besides LeBron James and that was it. So, you know, LeBron is definitely uh, a playmaker. He definitely can make an impact very quickly with the team. So I would not be surprised if he did leave Cleveland because he still wants to win another ring. He still wants to keep running winning rings. And put to bed all this, you know, LeBron James versus Michael Jordan talk and actually overcome that talk and become better than Michael Jordan. So, but he, he's running out of time quickly, but like he's his only hair. Got one title. He needs to get five more. Got a, lot, got a lot of work to do. And he finally announced this season he is having a receding hairline. That He finally announced it. So. <laughs> He used to put on the headband, you know, covering yeah, it up, yeah, saying, yeah. oh, you can't see it. No, no you can see it, LeBron. <laughs> it's, 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 it's there. Yeah. It's there. So what do you think the NBA does here? If the Warriors do go on and, and sweep the Cavaliers in the finals, do you think there's a there's going to be some rule set in place to where you can't have a certain amount of all-stars on your team? Or, I mean, does the NBA go to that length? Is it just a, an anomaly that – it's going to happen one year, and the Warriors won't be as good as they they were this year and future years. I really don't know what much the NBA can do because the NBA, to me, is a player-driven league. The players call the shots, literally. Like, oh, I'm Carmelo Anthony. I'm with the Denver Nuggets. I don't want to be here. I only want to go to New York. That's the only place I'm going to go. And now he wants to leave. I know. Because the Knicks suck. (laughs) I know. But he had a chance to leave like three years ago. He would get recruited by Chicago and Miami, other teams. And what he decided to do? Take the money and stay in New York. And then what did he do? Go cheat on Lala. And now you want to get out of town. So I don't know what else the NBA can do because... I know it looks crazy that the Warriors are up while the Lakers are down. The The Celtics, they went through their rebuild, but now they're up again. 
the Bulls, who knows if they're going to return to dominance. The Heat are down. The Magic. Do we really have to talk about the Magic right now? No. So, so uh, I, I I don't know what the NBA is going to do. You, you can probably do like some type of luxury tax and cap it out where only certain teams can only sign a certain amount of players. And you all agree on like a salary structure kind of thing. But come on. We all know the bigger markets like New York, Chicago, Dallas, Houston, the Lakers, or Los Angeles, Miami. I mean, they're all going to have the, the leverage over these small market teams like San Antonio, Oklahoma City, Milwaukee. It's, it's not going to be much. And those players, when they get drafted by these um, small market teams, they're only going to stay for like three, four years. And the next thing you know, oh, I want out. I want big sellers. Especially when the agents, they're doing the best they can to get these players max contracts. Yeah, true. I agree. So... The craziest thing about this whole thing is if the Warriors do sweep the Cavaliers, they'll be losing out on about $20 million because of lost revenue from Game 6 and Game... No, I'm sorry, Game... It'll be Game 5 and Game game 7. Yeah, Game 5 and Game 7. So they're missing out on two games that they'd be making $20 million on if they've actually played. Hmm. So at this point, do you think management's telling them, hey, go lose tomorrow night's game? No. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> not when you got history in the line. I mean, yeah. the Warriors True. blew it last year. They they won 72 games. They broke – or 73 games. They, they broke the Bulls record, the 96 Bulls record, and they came up short in the finals last year. Now, this year they didn't get a chance to break that record in the regular season, but you can go undefeated in the playoffs. I mean, 16-0. When's the last thing to go 16-0? The Patriots, but they choked in the Super Bowl. And, of course, the 72 Miami Dolphins. So, the Warriors, I would go for it. Go for history. Why not? Yeah, they might make that $20 million back on all the 16-0 t-shirts they sell to every bandwagon Golden State fan um, across the nation. So, I think they'll be just fine. Um, yeah, I don't. I, they're not going to tell them to lose. Do you think that if they do go 16-0 this season, what are the chances that the Golden State Warriors miss the Stanley Cup, and I'm sorry, the NBA <laughs> final. I have the Predators on my mind, man. It's Don't coming. give me that it's look. Coming. It's, <laughs> it's coming. coming. <laughs> so, what are the chances that the Warriors miss the finals next year if they go 16 0 this year? Slim to none. I would say okay. less than 5% realistically. The Warriors aren't going to miss the playoffs. That's, no. that's not going to No, happen. not in the playoffs. I'm saying the finals. Now, if LeBron were to jump ship and go somewhere on the West, then. Like the Lakers. But even then. What are the Clippers? What are the chances of LeBron James jumping ship and going to the West? Uh, I, I I would say at least 30%. Very very slim. I, I know he's going to be tempted to go, but I feel like he's going to stay just because, look, you already burned Cleveland once. You burned him twice? <laughs> that's that's going to look bad, really bad. Do you think he leaves before he retires? Not, not even next year. I'm just talking about, you know, a few years from now, if, if, if he feels as though... Oh, definitely, possibly. I mean, he could pull, like, a Carl Malone and Gary Payton and say, you know what, Let's just go. I'm old, but I want to still win a championship. So I'll go take a less salary gig and go sign up for, who knows, the Warriors, the, the Lakers, or maybe the Clippers, if they get their stuff together by then. Or maybe the Spurs. We'll still be around. Great Popovich still there. True, So, True. hey, why not? LeBron come to Spurs. We're always going to be in contention to win a championship. So, why not? Yeah. All right. On to the Stanley Cup final, because I have it on my brain there still. The one you've Game been waiting for. Game five is tonight. Game four was absolutely incredible. We beat the Penguins 4-1 to one in Nashville. The Nashville crowd, man, I'm telling you what, it definitely, he, they ratcheted it up a lot on Game four. And we scored nine Nine goals during that stretch. The Penguins only scored two goals in game three and four. So tonight, who do you think will win this game in Pittsburgh? Because 70% of teams who win game five go on to win the Stanley Cup. JT? Ooh, man, I'm tossing and turning on this one all day. But to me personally, I really want the Predators to win. And... I'll tell you why. Thank you, the, JT. The, look. Thank you. At the very beginning we'll, of the series. No, no, no. I'm going I'm to go back. <laughs> rewind this. So at the very beginning of the series, JT was saying the Penguins were going to win this whole thing. Okay. 
He was, gonna, well, he was saying the Penguins are winning this whole thing. What I said was, I uh-huh. want, in my heart, I want the Preds to win, but my uh-huh. gut was telling me the Penguins were win. And, and the reason I said that was because... The Penguins, they had all these injuries, okay? They got past two of the top four top teams in the NHL, okay? they Murray was injured, so they had Flurry in net, and he was just dominating the first two rounds. The Senators were, at the time, the hottest team. They were the hottest team. They had all momentum. And let's face it, the Penguins, every series, they've gotten outplayed. They've gotten outshot, outhit everything, and yet they still kept winning. Now, remember, Dylan... The Penguins were up 2-0 earlier in the series, uh-huh. and your boy, Pecorine, was not looking good. He wasn't. Everybody was bashing Pecorine. Was. Everybody was. He is so passionate about this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Even your boy, Mike Milbury, was bashing everybody. So Mike Milbury's a clown. <laughs> we all know this. So, now, Pecorine, he bounced back in Game 3 and absolutely murdered the Penguins 5-1. In game three and in game four, they got blown out again, four to one. So the Predators they took advantage of home ice and they tied the series up. Now the Predators are the Predators, excuse me. The Penguins are to me under the most pressure because they know if they lose game five, the chances of them winning in Nashville are slim to none. The Predators are eight, or I'm sorry, nine to one now at home. So the the Penguins have to step it up tonight. Uh, Crosby, Malkin, they haven't done much the last two games. And Murray has to play a lot better. He's getting outplayed the last two games by Peckin' Rene. Now the question is, who's going to show up in that? Peckin' Rene of the first two games or Peckin' Rene of the last two games? So I think it's going to be a very tight game. Dylan, you better hope the, the officials aren't wearing Penguins jerseys tonight underneath their zebra jer- shirts. Yeah, it's true. And, but I, I honestly believe, Dylan, that it's going to go overtime. Hoping not double overtime, but overtime. And I think the Predators will find a way to steal a victory. And if they win tonight, they're winning game six on Sunday. Before we listen to Jack's thoughts, we're going to actually listen to P.K. Subban's thoughts. He actually recorded a video last night on Undisputed.com talking about tonight's game and how he was preparing for it. So here it is. All right. So just in Pittsburgh now, getting ready for uh, game five. I mean, it's the biggest, biggest game in my life personally, and I know for our hockey club and for our whole organization, it's just biggest game in organization's history and how special and, and privileged we are. Not even privileged because we've worked so hard to get to this point and we deserve to be in this position, but, um, you know, you never want these moments to slip away and you never want to have any regrets. And I think that obviously being starting this series down 0-2 and, and taking advantage of home ice, I mean, our fans... Um, you guys are just unbelievable, and and and, sh- and your support and the energy in the city and the building. I mean, um, there was no way that we couldn't have success at home, and and you guys made that possible and helping us and supporting us so much. Um, but but obviously, winning back-to-back games at home against the Stanley Cup champions is a huge boost boost for a hockey club. And going into Game Five now, it's it's it, it switches because you got to get your hands dirty on the road and. You know, either way, for us to have success in winning this series, we are going to have to have success on the road. And uh, obviously, Game 5 is just going to be huge. And there's going to be a lot of emotion. Um, I'm sure a lot of nerves on both sides. But um, obviously, with us, we know that we've played some great hockey in this building. And we're going to have to play our best game of the season tomorrow. And um, obviously, uh, today for me was just a maintenance day. you know, um, just taking care of my body and, and making sure I'm ready. Um, obviously, just the playoff grind sometimes, you know, you're a little bit sore. But uh, feeling better now, just going to get some rest tonight and uh, get ready for the big game tomorrow. And, uh, I mean, I, I got to be honest, I'm really excited. Um, going to watch this Cavs-Golden uh, State game first. So, I'm out. I think PK is very, very excited for tonight. And I think that... His excitement is getting Nashville excited for this game, too. I think it's going to be an absolutely electric scene. And I'm not talking about Pittsburgh. I'm talking about Nashville. I think in Nashville, they have a huge watch party happening in Bridgestone tonight. And I think it's... And Broadway. I'm not sure if it's sold out or not. 
in Bridgestone, but I would not be surprised. There were only $15 tickets to go into Bridgestone to watch it on the Jumbotron they have in there, and and they are, I think they were planning on trying to sell out the building, so there are going to be a lot of fans that are wanting to do that, and I mean, that's the best environment to be in, I guess, so um, I wish I was there, actually. I mean, Game 3 was awesome, but I think the Game 5 inside Bridgestone to watch the game would be freaking awesome. So, Jack, what do you think about the, your thoughts on this series? Who do you think will win tonight? So, I'll be the first to admit that I know absolutely nothing about hockey, but as a former Atlanta resident, um, I have adopted the Preds as my hockey team. Um, so, yeah, I think the Preds take it tonight. They got some momentum going. And, uh, some. I, yeah, I mean, they got, they got a, a lot, lot of momentum right now. <laughs> yeah, a, they're a steam train rolling. Lots so, of catfish, too. So, yeah, uh, my official prediction for what it's worth is Preds and Six. Ooh. Okay. And they take it all away. That sounds good. Yeah. And also, this as will be the first. fan, I'll be very happy with This that. will be the first time the Stanley Cup will be in Bridgestone in game six, which is Sunday. Um, all, uh, no. Yeah, Sunday, right? Yeah, it's Sunday. Sunday. Yeah. Sunday. Yes, I'm correct. Same night as the, I think the Country Music Awards is going on the same night, right? Ooh, or is it Saturday? Something like that. Okay. Oh, the CMA, the CMA Fest is happening this weekend. Okay. I know that's happening. Um, but one quick note for this. In 23 Stanley Cup final games, Sidney Crosby has four goals. And in four Stanley Cup final games, the Preds undrafted rookie Freddie Gaudreau has three goals. So in this series... We're going to talk about X-Factors now for each team. X-Factor for the Predators, for me, I believe, I think I'm probably speaking for you guys too, is Freddie Gaudreau. He's yes. scored three goals. He scored two game-winning goals during this series. And I would probably have to say that Ginsel is probably the the yeah, MVP, the, the X-Factor for the Penguins. Like six, seven goals. Yeah, yeah he, he's been on fire too. He's he's lighting up the scoreboard throughout this entire playoff, playoff season. And... With Freddie Gaudreau, he is the first player to score three goals in his first four Stanley Cup final games since 1944. So he's the first rookie to ever score three goals, first rookie since then to score three goals in his first four NHL games. And he hasn't even recorded his first official NHL goal until next year in the regular season. Absolutely incredible. So let's move on to the football recap over the week. JT, it's your turn. The mic's all yours. Oh, okay. So, for my football recap of the week, we are going to talk a little bit about everything that's going on. Uh, Right now, the big thing that's going on this weekend is a lot of international friendlies and, of course, the 2018 FIFA World Cup qualifiers. Speaking of the World Cup qualifiers, the U.S. men's national team, they got a big game tonight. They're playing Trinidad and Tobago out in Denver. That's a big game tonight. The U.S. is currently fourth in the X and... They have to win this game tonight because they're going to be playing Mexico on Sunday down to Azteca in Mexico City. So that's a big game. U.S., I expect them to get a win tonight in Trinidad and Tobago. And then hopefully we get a draw in Mexico on Sunday to get through and keep our chances of qualifying for the World Cup for next year. And speaking of Mexico, they had their Liga MX Clausura Championship Final. Uh, Chivas de Guadalajara, they defeated Tigres. 4-3 on aggregate over two legs to clinch the Clasura title. First time I believe they won it since, I, I think it was 2006, I believe was the last time they won it. So, good thing for them. As far as transfer rumors go in Europe as of right now, biggest talk is about Alvaro Morata from Real Madrid. A lot of talk about him going to Manchester United or AC Milan, so to keep an eye on that. Jaime Rodriguez, another person out of Real Madrid. He's been rumored to go to England as well. And then, Manchester United, they announced today that Zlatan Ibrahimovic, he will not get a renewed contract after the end of this month, so he'll be a free agent. A lot of talk about him going to MLS. Not sure where he's going to end up as far as like a team like Los Angeles FC or maybe the Orlando City, but he'll be a free agent, so I'm sure he'll come to the States somewhere in the future. Speaking of Orlando City, they had their game on Sunday against Chicago Fire, and they ended up in a 0-0 draw. So they got both teams got a point. Orlando City remains fourth place in the Eastern Conference. The Orlando Pride, they are off this week because of the international break. They will play next week. Orlando City's next game is against Miami FC and the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup. And then I will finish up with the Soccer Wars chat in my final thoughts. And that concludes my football recap of the week. And I believe also, JT, that Nashville SC 
is undefeated now, right? Yes, Nashville SC, the under-23 team, is still undefeated. They are 5-0 in the PDL this season, so those guys are doing exceptionally well as they get prepped for the USL team next season. Um, I just brought you up, Dylan. Before I conclude, I just want to make a quick shout not quick shout-out, but just some pointers for some games to keep your eye out on this sure, weekend. Sure, sure. So, obviously, I mentioned USA-Mexico. That is the big game that will be on Sunday Costa Rica, Panama tonight, as well as Mexico. They play Honduras. Sweden will play France. That's tomorrow. And then on Saturday, there's another big World Cup qualifier match between Scotland. They're playing England. Big rivalry there, so that'd be good. On Sunday, it'll be Iceland playing against Croatia in the World Cup qualifier match. And on Monday, it's Iran against Uzbekistan. That's going to be another big match. And then on Tuesday, you got Qatar against South Korea and Iraq against Japan. Those are some games that I want to make a quick point out before I conclude my football recap of the week. Awesome. Very good, JT. Uh, so this weekend, also look out for the Belmont Stakes. That's happening this weekend, which no one cares about because a triple crown winner will not be crowned this this year because there are no good dominant horses. So that's happening this weekend. The 2017 ICC Champions Trophy in England and Wales, uh, which is for cricket, that's happening this weekend as well. Yep, that's going on over across the pond. And England, they've been the top team in that uh, competition. They've already qualified for the semifinals. And they had a ma- cricket match today, Sri Lanka. They upset India. India is also a big cricket country. Very popular sport there, just like in Pakistan. So those are the three teams that you'll keep your eye out on this weekend as the tournament goes forward. Um, but it'll be very interesting to watch going forward. I think England are going to be the favorites, obviously, because they're hosting it, to win the trophy this summer. Um, also, a little bit of news here coming out of tennis. Uh, Djokovic actually got knocked out of the French Open quarterfinals to Thyme. Theme, Thyme? Yeah, T-H-E-I-M. From Austria. From Austria. So he beat him in sets uh, 7-6, 6-3, and then 6-0. Of course, Djokovic, I believe, is still ranked the number one tennis player because uh, I don't think Federer is up on top anymore. I don't think so either. So he's been – I know I think he had some injuries as of late. I know Rafael Nadal, he's not up there either, but he's trying to make a comeback. So – it's very interesting that he got knocked out this early in the quarterfinals. Andy Murray, he won his set, so he's still advancing. So he's probably the favorite, along with May Federer, to meet up in the semifinal or the French Open final. So that'll be interesting to keep your eye out this weekend as well. Yeah, definitely keep watching that. So now it's on to segments. We're going to talk about a little bit of uh, winners and losers for this week. So we'll start with our guest. Jack, it's up to you. Yeah, winners. Yes, sir. Winner and, well, winner and loser. All right. So, I mean, I think my winner is going to have to be Kevin Durant. I mean, I faulted him at first for going to Golden State and kind of jumping ship on the Thunder. But, I mean, with an undefeated playoff record, I think he almost had – I think anything short of that almost people could have faulted him for. But his performance in the finals has been uh, lights out. Um, a very impressive just entire final series. Um, loser? It's hard. I don't know if I have a loser. Okay. Okay. No losers this week. Let's just do the default. Pittsburgh Penguins. Okay, yeah. Uh, JT. I was going to say Cleveland, but okay. Or Cleveland. Cleveland, too. That that was easy. (laughs) Sorry, Mike. Sorry, man. (laughs) Yeah, right. Jeez. Okay, JT, winners and losers. Well, my winner this week is obviously uh, Gennett, the... uh, baseball player for the Cincinnati Reds, he made his debut on Tuesday, first game, and he goes out there and he hits four home runs. I don't think anyone has done that in like a very long time in baseball. So he is my winner of the week. My loser for this week is pretty much all the baseball teams trailing the Washington Nationals and the Houston Astros. Like, those teams are up by like 12 games. Like, it's so they're in second like the Braves are in second place, but they're so far behind. And I just don't see those teams are hot. I just don't see anyone catching them down the stretch unless Bryce Harper decides to go off and throw his helmet at people, the pitchers. So those will be my losers of the week. And obviously another loser will be, as you mentioned, the Belmont Stakes. No one's gonna care about it. Sorry. I Sorry horses. I, I don't know what to tell you, but I mean 
there's no chance of a triple crown, so I'm not going to watch. Sorry. Yeah. All right. Well, my winner this week is Pecorine, the goalie for the National Predators. His goals against average and save percentage in the last two games, in Game 3 and Game 4, have been absolutely stellar. Uh, game uh, Goals against average is 1.62, and also his save percentage is 9.43. So he is actually playing a very, very stellar game right now. And I hope he continues that in Pittsburgh tonight against the Penguins. Hopefully we can go home to clinch the cup. Hopefully that will be the game. We that want the cup. We do. We want the cup. We do. Yes. And Murray. Because my cats aren't getting the Murray, cup. Murray. <laughs> you suck. <laughs> Murray sucks. Um, then hey, Crosby, my, you leaving the building again? <laughs> my loser this week is Jake Gensel for getting a plate of catfish served to him in Nashville. Oh. When he was leaving. Ouch. That sucks for him. Uh, final thoughts. Jack. Yeah. It's your turn, sir. It was great to be here. Thanks for having me this week. Uh, Thank you for coming. Yeah. Thanks for moving back down. Just for this podcast. Just for this podcast. Yeah, so, yeah. Yellow shoes, it's just, uh, yeah. it's always here or whatever. But yeah, it's been good. Um, if you want to follow me on the social, do we do that here? Yeah. We do that here, yes, sir. We do sir. that here, cool. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Jack McCree, J-C-K-M-C-R-E-E. Follow me on Instagram, the same thing. You can also follow my photography on Instagram at McCree Films and on YouTube at Southern Skyline Productions. Yeah. He has some good stuff on there. He has some rap music videos. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's so. spot on with those. I asked him if he was going to do any rap music videos here in Orlando. Not many rappers, apparently. If anybody's interested, I'm in town and available, so you can DM me on Instagram. Hit we'll, him up. We'll get it going. Hit him up. We need the next, like, you know, Fat Joe or something to come out and just, you know, run the game. Okay. Anyway, JT, final thoughts. Well, I'd like to conclude my final thought with just a little quick update on what's going on with Major League Soccer and their bid to try to get an expansion team going in Miami. So they announced that David Beckham, who's the owner of the potential MLS expansion team, he finally purchased the land and the Overtown District to finally get that stadium up and going. So it looks like it could happen now after being like on three years of line support, looking like it's never going to happen. So... The only thing they will need is MLS approval and, of course, approval from the city. If David Becker can get those two things, it looks like it's going to be a done deal. MLS is coming to Miami. And if MLS comes to Miami, I wonder what's going to happen with Tampa Bay because I thought, oh, if MLS is going to Miami, Tampa Bay would be a good pick. But now it's looking like if Miami gets it, well, Orlando, looks like we're going to go a little further down the road to uh, Miami. And I know there's been a lot of politicking down in Miami right now with the Overtown District as a neighborhood, like the Key Arena is in Seattle. So... They're not going to have any parking, so you're going to have to park in, like, downtown, and then you take, like, a train or a bus over to get to the stadium. So it'll be interesting to see how all that plays out and job opportunities and all that. So it'll be very interesting, but keep my eye out on Miami and the future of soccer in South Beach. My final thoughts go out to Jimmy Vesey, who was the former Predators prospect. Jimmy, if you need to cry... I'm sure there's a Penguins fan out there that would give you their rally towel because they won't need it much longer. Ooh. So, shots. Just, uh, just let you know. You played for the Rangers. You decided to go there instead of Nashville, which we could give you the same contract the Rangers could. But don't worry about that. It's fine. You'll win a cup one year, maybe. It's fine. You might get to the finals if you're on the Rangers, maybe. Mm. But guess what? If you were playing for the Predators, you would have a shot this year. So. Sorry. Have one Sunday. Shots fired. Uh, go get that rally towel and suck it. <laughs> so, thanks for listening to the show, everybody. Uh, social media, Twitter, OOB Podcast, Facebook, Out of Bounds Podcast for Dylan James, and our website, outofboundspodcast.com. You can follow us on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Also, rate us five stars, please, on iTunes. We always love those ratings. And also give us some reviews, too. Give us some feedback, suggestions. Email me at dylan at outofboundspodcast.com or jt at jt at outofboundspodcast.com. We're always looking for those suggestions and feedback and and things for us to make our show better just for you. And we listen to your comments. So definitely send us some uh, some things along our way. We'll be bringing back Ryan Dobbs soon for Let's Learn Sports. We'll be doing some more segments as well. So, yeah, definitely uh, shoot us some emails. Let us know what you want to hear. And we'll go from there. JT, what is your Twitter handle, sir? You can reach me at JTSaka88. That's at JTS. 
O-C-K-A-88s. You can email me at jt at outofboundspodcast.com. You can also reach out to me on my personal blog. It's jtthesportsguy.com. Very good. Well, thanks for listening to the show this week, guys. We'll be talking to you next week. Hopefully, I'll be very, very happy um, because we have three, well, hope, possibly three big games ahead of us with the National Predators. So we'll keep you posted on the Twitter page and Facebook and stuff, and we will talk to you guys next week. Enjoy the sports. Go Preds. <laughs>